Do I have any boat people? I'm seeing a couple of hands. You don't have to be shy about it. It's okay to be boat people. That's not like a, a derogatory term of, to be a boat person. I mean, if I could afford a boat, I may have a boat, but I can't afford a boat. As a matter of fact, one of the few times I've ever been on a boat was um, for mine and Anna's honeymoon. Um, and I don't know if you've ever been on a cruise ship. They're real nice. Unless you go on a cruise ship in like December. And nobody warned us about this when we signed up for a cruise in December. But the water gets real rough in December. As a matter of fact, I remember me and Anna sitting at our dining table um, in the room there and our waitress taking our order. And all of a sudden she said, oh no. And we went, that's not something you want to hear. And her right leg came off the ground across the other table. And her left hand came across this table. It looked like a scene from the Titanic as the boat started to tilt and plates began to slide off of tables in the middle of the dining hall. To say it was rough was an understatement. It, it was so rough that almost every stop we made at a port, and Anna can attest to this, I walked around like this. And I did that for about the next week after we got home too because my legs just couldn't get adjusted. I felt like I was still on that boat in those rough seas. And I started thinking about that and I started thinking about how frequently that can happen in our lives as well, can it? We, we go through a, a storm and through a, through a rough patch and all of a sudden, even when things are good, we find ourselves kind of cautiously just waiting on that next storm to come. We feel like we're still in the middle of it. We can find ourselves, as we've been talking about, overwhelmed and over stimulated and we can find ourselves distracted from what really matters and if we're not careful it can lead us to a place where we find ourselves hopeless and as I started thinking about being hopeless I started thinking about that idea of being on a boat and when the storms come in and you just feel like your boat's about to just flip over and I came across this experiment that Professor Kurt Ritter did. It's a study on hope and it's borderline animal cruelty, but I guess it's rats, so most folks will say it's okay. But he had two sets of rats and one set of rats, he would just put them in the bucket filled with water and he would just let them swim until they couldn't swim anymore. And then they would eventually just give up hope and fall to the bottom. And the second group, what he would do is he'd put them in the same bucket, but every two to three minutes he'd reach in and he'd pull them out and he'd let them kind of regain their strength and he'd put them back in there. And he found out that they never gave up hope. As a matter of fact, they followed the directions of Dory and they just kept swimming. And I think so often what happens in our own lives is we can get overwhelmed by the storms that we find ourselves in and lose hope and forget that our hope is not in our circumstances, but our hope is in Christ Jesus. 
who came to calm and who came to eliminate our hopelessness, who came to be an anchor amidst our storm. And in John chapter 14 through chapter 16, Jesus has been talking to his disciples, explaining to them who he is and and what's about to happen as he's about to go to the cross. And he closes with this. One verse, John 16, verse 33, where it says, I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, for I have overcome the world. If we put that verse back up there for just a moment, because there's a couple of words that I want y'all to realize, that I want y'all to see in this. Have peace. And notice what he says right after this. He doesn't say things are going to be great and wonderful, and it's going to be smooth sailing from here. He says there will be tribulation. There will be trials. There will be things that come up. But take heart, for I have overcome the world. See, what I want us to first realize is this, that Jesus did not come and say, if you just follow me, everything will be gumdrops and rainbows. And I want to tell you that because I sadly believe there are many of us that come and enter into faith with that belief. That if I just decide to follow Jesus, everything's going to be perfect from here on out. I'm never going to have another issue arise. As a matter of fact, Jesus says the exact opposite when he was talking to the disciples in the previous chapters. He actually says, hey, um, if you follow me, they're going to hate you and persecute you. They're going to push against you because you're not like them. So, I want to let you know, if you're going through some stuff, you've got some storms raging, it's okay. I'm not going to get up here and tell you that it's not okay to have issues. Because it is okay, it's part of of who we are as a people. Stuff is going to arise. But but Jesus, because Jesus didn't come to eliminate the storms. But notice what Jesus did do, he came to give us peace amidst the storms. I'm reminded of when Jesus was on the boat with the disciples and the storm was raging and and where is Jesus at in all of it? If you remember the story, he's asleep. He's taking a nap. They wake him up and they're like, Jesus, don't you care about us at all? Why are we going through this? And Jesus goes, oh, you have little faith. Peace be still. And all of a sudden the storm stops. Jesus came to give us peace amidst our storms. Like I said, many people have come to faith believing that if we choose to follow Jesus, then we will have no more storms in our lives. And I will be the first as a preacher to apologize for that because a lot of that comes from this very office of the pulpit. And we convince people If you just follow Jesus, everything will be great. Everything will be wonderful. And then all of a sudden, people come to a point where everything's not great and everything's not wonderful, and they don't know what to do with that. And this is why many people leave the faith. 
is because they said, no, I chose to follow him because it was meant that everything was supposed to be wonderful and super and stupendous. And here I am in the middle of a storm. God doesn't believe in me. God doesn't care about me. And it causes them to question everything. So in the storms, when they come, not if, but when they come, I know this is a really downer message so far, I get it. But when they come, what are you anchored to? What is it that anchors you? And I think a lot of us, especially in church, would say, oh, my faith anchors me. My trust in Jesus Christ anchors me, especially when it's clear skies and 70 degrees. I love Jesus. Everything's great. And then something happens, and that's when we really get to see what you're anchored to, right? That's when we really get to see if the anchor will hold. And I think what happens, so many of us find ourselves anchored to things other than our faith, if we're honest. We, we, we think our, our anchor will hold, but then we, we don't get the promotion that we thought we should. But then we get that health diagnosis that we never wanted. But then you, you get that call from a spouse to find out that your marriage is falling apart. You get that call that says you've lost something or someone, and then what? Not only is a storm brewing, but it feels like you're about to capsize and drown in it if we're not careful. I'm reminded last year when, when me and Anna went to Ireland and it was a much needed trip for me and, and I was able to get some rest and relaxation and good Sabbath time and, and, I was, and I came back and I was like, all right, I'm ready for whatever the world has to throw at me and I should have never uttered that phrase. Because I get off of the airplane, I turn on my phone and within the time that it took us to get from the airport to our house right there, I had a phone call. It was my mom telling me that my grandmother was in the hospital and they didn't think that she was going to make it. And so then I load up and drive to Greenville, Mississippi to be with my family as that goes on and to preach her funeral and all of those things. And about a week after that, I get a call that says, hey, come to the hospital. Your dad had some tests run and we got to give you the results. And we found out that my dad had esophageal cancer. And then it just kind of began to snowball from there where I thought I was ready for whatever the world would throw at me. And if I wasn't anchored to something greater than myself, I surely would have drowned. When the waves of fear, doubt, yes, even change, anxiety, when they come your way, what will you be anchored to? What will bring you peace amidst the storm when things don't go as you drew them up or as you desire? And this morning, what we hear is an invitation, yet again from Jesus, that says, Be anchored to me. Trust in me. Put your hope in me. Rely on me. 
So one question that I think helps us to answer what it is that we are anchored to is I think that so often when we're anchored to something else, our, our story starts with this. Our storms, rather, begin with this. Everything was good, but then... We've all got those stories, right? Everything was great and wonderful, but then... But then... But then... And many a times that we don't realize this, this causes us to be reactionary. We allow our circumstances to dictate who we are. But and when, if we're not careful, what happens is we find out that what we're anchored to is our own ego, our own pride, our own control, our own comfort, our own what I know. And we, and we try to handle it all on our own. I got this. I can handle this. I have to be strong for my family. I have to be a leader. I have to. And do we see where this is going? When it's all reliant upon you. But the good news of the gospel is it's not a but-then gospel. The gospel is a but-God gospel. What do I mean by that? I mean that if you read the scriptures, so frequently you see things aren't going well, they're in the middle of a storm, life is in utter chaos, but God shows up. They couldn't do it on their own, but God can. And it's a reminder that storms will come, but take heart. Because God has conquered the storms. And God has overcome the world. In verse 33, we see that word overcome. And I love looking at some of the root words that it comes from because it's ninikika. Y'all can try that one. Come on. Ninikika. Or however else you want to pronounce that. Anybody notice a word in there that's very familiar in our pop culture? Nike. Anybody know what Nike actually means? No, we just walk around with it. It means victory. It means victorious. But, but this phrase actually does not mean like a moment in time. It's not like a, I was playing a game and... Nike, I was victorious in that game. But it is a continual sense of victory. It is the fact that Jesus is coming forth and saying, not only do I overcome the world, but I always win. And that's good news. That Jesus and victory eliminates our hopelessness as we can understand that in our own will and way, there may not be victory, but in Christ, there is victory. And this is the truth that we should anchor ourselves to. In Hebrews 6, 19, it says this, that we have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner place beyond the curtain. And what that's talking about of the inner place beyond the curtain is in Jesus' day in the temple, there was this place called the Holy of Holies that only the, the priests were allowed to go. It was the, the deep, sacred spot 
As a matter of fact, I once read that when the priest went in there, they would tie a rope around their ankle in case the priest were to hurt themselves or even die in there so they could just pull them out because nobody was allowed to go in there. And what this is telling us is this. Um, we can have this facade that says, ah, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. But when you get behind the curtain, think about the Wizard of Oz, for instance. When you pull the curtain to, what's back there? When, when we get to, to the core of who you are, what is your hope built on? Is it built on your own ability? Or is it built on God? You see, here's what I want you to know. That the anchor, the anchor doesn't change your circumstances. You throw out an anchor in the middle of a storm, guess what? The storm's still going to be happening. It doesn't change your circumstances, but it helps you to reframe how it is that you view them. That even in the darkness, we have hope. Because we know that God is still working and moving. If you hear nothing else I say today, here's what I want you to hear. God isn't defined by your circumstances that happen to you, but by what he has done for you. Your circumstances do not define who God is. God is good all the time, and all the time, y'all really seem to believe that this morning. But so often we allow our circumstances to dictate who God is, don't we? All right, this is yes, this is no, this is I don't really know what you're talking about anymore, preacher. Uh, but yeah, I mean, so don't we allow our circumstances sometimes to kind of dictate who God is in our lives? We're like, oh, God, you're so good. You're so wonderful when everything's going good. And then we kind of fi find ourselves like some of the psalmist when God isn't showing up like we desire. We go, my God, my God, why have you left me? Where are you? And we start to believe that God doesn't care about us anymore. Peter, and if you went on the tween retreat, you know about Peter, because that was what our whole retreat was about. Peter was a disciple who we later hear denied Jesus, um, and he's not at the grave waiting on Jesus either when Jesus is resurrected. He actually returns to his everyday life, and Peter finds himself in his boat fishing, and imagine Peter's reaction when he looks to the shore and there's his friend Jesus. The one that he watched be put into a tomb. And Peter goes on later to either pin this or to orate it for somebody else to pin it. That's up for discussion if you're a biblical scholar. But he says this, therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. That term sober-minded doesn't mean 
that you haven't had a couple of glasses of wine, but what it means is that your thoughts are clear. And, and what it's warning us against is that sometimes when we become reactionary, we can allow the storms to cloud our judgment to say, oh, well, we know what's going to happen. And then we forget that we're anchored to something greater than that can change everything. And so this idea of being sober-minded is that when storms arise, we trust that the anchor will hold. And why? Because we are anchored to something greater than ourselves. So what is your hope in? Where do you put your hope? Is your hope in, in your family and in your spouse? Because I've got bad news for you. Even they will let you down sometimes. Is your hope in, in your job and, and in status? It'll let you down. Or is your hope in something greater that has already conquered this world for you? This is what storms will reveal to us. If we take time to pay attention to what's going on inside of us. That, that I think we can so frequently just cast it off and not listen to what's really going on inside. But it shows us where our anchor is. That whenever things come up, if we go, all right, I'm going to go try to handle it on my own. And then after everything else fails, then what am I going to do? Oh, now I'll go to God in prayer. Now I'll go search the scriptures. Now I'll truly enter into a season of discernment to understand what it is that God's calling me to. Or we find ourselves doing this. God, why am I going through this? And what the scripture tells us over and over again, I think this is a beautiful passage that we hear over and over, but it's that God, sometimes we go through storms and we ask, why am I going through this? Instead of God, how can I glorify you through this? God, what is it that you're trying to show me in this? And, I, and it's a hard truth sometimes to grasp, but Psalm 28 says, chap, Psalm number 20, verse 8 rather, says this, some put their trust in chariots and some in horses, but we will call upon the name of the Lord. And it's a simple reminder that you can put your hope and your trust in all the things of this world, but eventually they will crumble. As, or as the scriptures like to say, now faith, hope, and love, these three, and the greatest is love, abides. And so when the storms arise, not if, but when, where is your hope? Do you call out to your family and your friends first, or do you call out to God? Because God is our anchor and our hope even amidst the hopelessness. 